Hello, everyone. Today's passage is found in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. Uh, this will be the last time we'll be uh, studying the book of Acts before we start a new series as school starts. Uh, but the passage for today is Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and uh, distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That is God's word. Let's bow our heads together and pray before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, Thank you that you are present with us, uh, that you are going with us, that you uh, are guiding us during this time. And your word is uh, such an oasis to us, for us to be fed by and uh, to love, uh, cherish this very word of yours. So help us, God, and thank you for uh, your new faces here that we get to study your word together. May you gather our hearts uh, as one body and uh, learn from your word and be challenged and changed uh, by your very word, God. I do want to pray for Afghanistan right now and uh, all that's happening there. And uh, we confess that we don't know and we just anguish. at all the things that are happening right now, especially the loss of lives. But you are the sovereign Lord. You have the answer. So we turn to you and ask you that you would work powerfully during this time to save uh, lives and protect lives and bring peace in that land and to the people that you love. So God, we join with everyone, every people of yours around the nation right now to study your word. Thank you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just go right into the the sermon. Uh, The three points uh, to help you follow along. Uh, First, uh, the vertical community. And second, horizontal community. And the third, the missional community. And the title for the sermon is the Spirit-Driven Community. First, the vertical community. Uh, Here, the context matters, so let me just do a quick recap of where we have been. Uh, Before this scene in front of us, uh, there was a Pentecost uh, where the Holy Spirit came down on the 120 disciples and they started speaking in languages that they didn't know before. But those languages have to be uh, the the, the audience's native languages. So they're freaking out. And in front of this bewildered audience, 
Peter, Apostle Peter stood up and explained that it was Jesus who died and rose again and ascended to heaven, who just poured out the Holy Spirit on his believers with authority as the cosmic king. That's what it means to be ascended into heaven. And Peter exhorted the audience to repent and you know, give their lives to this exalted King Jesus. And about 3,000 people responded, and they became believers. And now in today's passage that we just read, we saw uh, these 3,120 people living as a church community. And as we see, this is a very freshly born community birthed by the Holy Spirit himself at Pentecost. So we'll get to see that this is a, the purest form of what church community looks like. So what that means is we can learn a lot from this community as a church ourselves, and, and it will help us grow as we take notes. So first, we'll see that from this church that uh, this church communed with God. This church walked with God. There's a relationship with God. Verse, 20, verse uh, 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There two things stand out right away, which are the apostles' teaching and prayers. First, apostles' teaching can encompass a variety of things. It can include the the 12 disciples and apostles of Jesus just recounting to this church about you know, the life of Jesus, teaching, and the commands of Jesus that they personally experienced and heard in person. And it could also include some practical teachings that uh, these apostles were um, you know, giving to uh, these people at the church. And this could also include how to read the Old Testament in light of Jesus' life, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. All of the above. So what that means is the church was devoting themselves to uh, these teachings and their learning about Jesus, and they're also hearing God's voice through these instructions for them. And you might be wondering at this point, like, what does that matter to us? You know, we don't see these apostles. They are not alive anymore. It is still applicable to us because the equivalent of the apostles' teaching to us, to our context, is our Bible. Because our Bible is a collection of the writings of the apostles and the other non-twelfth disciple named Paul and also their associates, close friends, they all wrote down important teachings of Jesus and the church compiled that along with the, the prophetic words of Old Testament, and that is our Bible. So we also have what the early church had as well. And the church, we see that they also were devoting themselves to prayers. And prayers, if the apostle teaching was for them to hear God's word, prayer is, so to speak, talking back to God. They're processing what they just heard, and they're, you know, we're having conversation with God. And through prayer, they get to uh, rely on God more and choose to uh, rely on His direction, His strength, as opposed to their own devices. So all in all, they're devoting to 
these vibrant relationships with God in this verse. And, and they know that if they lose this, they lose Christianity. They lose their way. They go haywire. These are important ingredients of the church life. Uh, this whole week, uh, I was feeling tired. I was kind of tired over the summer, but especially this week, I was very tired. And yesterday morning, especially, my whole body and my emotion was just feeling blah. I was like, what's going on? Uh, and then I remembered that I had been neglecting taking vitamins for the past two or three months. I kept forgetting, so, you know, I remember, oh, man, you know, maybe it was vitamins. So after taking a, getting a quick breakfast, I took one multivitamin pill. And then an hour passed, and I started feeling, oh, a little better. And the next hour, I felt, oh, I'm better. And then the next hour, I feel fresh. This feels awesome. That was the problem. Vitamins. So a little bit of you know, dramatization there, but I overall did feel refreshed. I, I overall did feel much better. And so the fact of the matter is that I thought I was doing all the right things to keep my body healthy, but I was missing the key nutrients, perhaps vitamin Ds and you know, iron and, and so on. And I share that because that's like the health of the church. For the church, the key nutrients are the word and prayer. The, the community, the word community sounds attractive, right? These days, because of the pandemic, you know, we, we love those words like that because everyone, everybody feels isolated and we want community where we feel belong to and you know, we feel accepted, things like that. And that's a good thing. You know, we desire community because God wired us that way. And we try to you know, find tools to facilitate that community. That's not a bad thing. But if that's all we do, we are bound to fail. Because for church community, first and foremost, we must have a vibrant relationship with God. We have to devote ourselves to the Word. Really, what that means, devoting means, we really expect, even right now, we really expect to hear from God. We really anticipate what He's going to say to us. And we also devote ourselves to prayer. We earnestly talk to God, talk back to God, and process what we're hearing and make it our own. And that's how we grow. That's how church grows organically, not just through programs and tools. So that's what we learn from the early church. It's a vertical community. Second, the horizontal community. Verse 42 again, it says, they were devoting themselves to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Those are the, the, the other two elements there. So the church was uh, devoting themselves to these two things and fellowship and breaking of bread, you know, they're related to one another. First, the word fellowship means, you know, sharing something in common between two parties. And most naturally, this refers to relationship. This refers to friendship where two people have shared experience and interest. That's what fellowship means. 
And that's where the breaking of bread comes in. Verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. The, the, the phrase breaking of bread normally means, as you can imagine, having meals together in someone's homes. And although the, in the Bible, it could also refer to the Lord's Supper in a more formal setting. But either way, breaking of bread connotes intimacy and mutual acceptance. And that makes sense. You know, when you invite somebody to your home and have a meal together, you know, that's communicating to everybody that, you know, you trust that person, you accept that person, and, you know, you're trying to go beyond just the surface level acquaintance or, or acquaintanceship to something deeper with that person. And you don't normally invite somebody that you don't trust or even any coworker or even any classmate, you don't just invite. There has to be some level of trust there. So again, the church here is devoting themselves to this, this type of deep, intimate relationships with one another where there's genuine joy. But we see that this deep fellowship goes even further than just enjoying one another. So follow with me here. Verse 44 and 45, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So the members of this community are willingly selling their possessions to meet the needs of one another. And curiously, some people uh, call this early communism, but it's not communism because, first, the members of this community give their money voluntarily with no compulsion or even guilt-tripping. And second, these guys do not sell everything, but they do keep their private properties like homes where we just saw that they're breaking bread together. So what's happening here is that the members are treating each other so seriously, almost like, a, like family members, to the point that they're willing to sacrifice themselves and their own resources to meet their needs. And, and that is a beautiful picture, isn't it? Everybody is caring for one another. Everybody's willing to sacrifice themselves to make this community work. But now, I want to remind you that this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Again, there can be some tools and, you know, government tries to attempt to create this, but we just saw that, you know, in the example of communism, it doesn't work that way. What that means is there is something supernatural that are, that's needed to create this kind of community. And I argue that those things that are essential for this kind of community is, again, the word and prayer. Meaning, through the word, the members of this community get to know about Christ who incredibly came down to fellowship with us. He came down. He refused to resort to acquaintanceship, but he went as far as calling us his friends and even his bride. He went deep with us. And to the point, ultimately, he 
went to the cross to meet the greatest need of all for us, which was our sins, and he died on the cross for us. That's the desire that he has for us. And therefore, through prayer, as you internalize it, as you personalize this, this, make, this is yours now, and you realize, wow, Christ loves me that way, Christ fellowships with me that way. I want to do that too with others. Your heart changes through the Holy Spirit, through the word and prayer. And that's how the community is formed. Individual hearts need to be changed through the word and prayer. That's important. As you can see, uh, especially for those of you who are new, I'm a tall man. I'm 6'4". And being tall can give you insecurities too. Uh, meaning that whenever I meet somebody new, the first thing they ask me is, is what? Do you play basketball? Like 100% all the time, they ask me that. And the answer is no. Okay? I just move on from there because it's awkward. In the back of my mind, I'm like, come on. I suck at basketball. I hate these questions. So I feel insecure. I just move on and you know, try to avoid this topic. But imagine that somebody you know, told me uh, that, or to, let's imagine that somebody didn't just give, give up on the conversation and he just kept pressing on saying, oh, you don't play? Come on, man. It's way to the height. You got to play. You know, guess what? 6'4", that's the same height as Steph Curry. So if you work hard, if you practice hard, oh, there's a glorious picture of Steph Curry there. And if you work hard, you can just be like him. Just, just practice hard. And to that I will say, that is so not true. It doesn't work that way. I know my body. I'm not wired that way. I know my limitations. No matter how much I try and practice, I cannot be like him because I'm not him. He's one of a kind. And now, in comparison, some people say that Jesus is a good moral example to follow. And to me, that's the most demoralizing thing to hear because if Steph Curry is one of a kind, Jesus is the one of a kind. He was the perfect man to walk on earth. And for us to hear, try hard to be like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Likewise, similarly in our passage, we see a perfect community, right? Where everybody's loving each other, caring for each other. To that, my exhortation is not, CLC, try hard. You can be like that. Just be loving. You know, just go out of your comfort zone. Do this and that. No. The answer to become like that is not by trying hard and be forced to do it. The answer, again, is through the Holy Spirit. As you hear the word and the word bears fruit in your heart and you want to love others. You want to serve others. And to me, that's a great way to build a healthy church culture. You're not being guilt-tripped to serve. You're not being forced to do things because it's a good thing to do. No. I pray that we want to do things because Spirit is working in our hearts powerfully. 
to the horizontal community. And lastly, the missional community. Verse 43, it says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So what's happening in the church, especially miracles being done by the apostles, uh, and when the world was watching, the people outside of the church were watching, and, and they are in awe. They realize God is here. Something powerful is here. And they cannot help but show due respect. That's what's happening here. And then we jump to verse 47. It says, Having favor, the church was having favor with all the people. The words having favor can be translated in, uh, from Greek to English to giving thanks. So what that means is that the people outside of the church were appreciating the church community for various reasons. I think one reason could be that the believers were kind to the vulnerable in society. We see that in next chapter when Peter heals the paralyzed beggar. In fact, if you look at church history, there's a record of how Christians during outbreaks of plague uh, for the first few centuries of Christianity, you know, they would care for the sick, you know, like during pandemic, basically. They're caring for the sick and burying the dead when everyone else is fleeing for safety and they're, you know, fearing dying. And kindness like that was taken notice by non-Christians and some of them became Christians because of that otherworldly generosity and kindness. So these could be the reasons why the people were appreciating this Jerusalem Christians at the time. And there's more. Verse 47, we end this way. It says, The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Meaning that you know, this community having the respect and appreciation from the unbelieving world contributed to their witness to the world. Because they respected them, you know, God used, of course this is God, you know, Lord added, it is God's work to save people, but God used that respect and appreciation that the church gained from the people to save people. Because this church was not a hermit, but they engaged themselves with the surrounding world, they could do God's mission. Engagement with the world. And let me share just two uh, real-life stories that can illustrate this. First, first one I heard from my wife, uh, Deborah. And she used to work at an engineering consulting firm in Chicago. And apparently one of the projects in the company went wrong, so they lost a lot of money. And because of that, they had to lay off a lot of, of their employees to make up for the loss. But then they ended up keeping their jobs because later they found out that this one VP, um, he chose to retire early. And his salary was big enough to cover all these employees. Must have been a lot of big salary there. Um, and that's what happened. And then... People also found out that this VP did that because of his Christian conviction to serve others. And the second story I, I found is from 
uh, Pastor Tim Keller in New York, uh, his sermon. And apparently there was a lady in his church uh, that would always leave right after the, the Sunday service is over. And when Pastor Keller finally caught up to her, she told him that she was trying to get to know Christianity, but she was you know, shy about it, so that's why she was leaving early. But her story was that you know, she had been working in this uh, news corporation, and uh, one day she made a big mistake to the point that she should have you know, lost her job and her career. But she kept the job because you know, her boss um, took the blame for her. And, she, and he lost you know, his job and career. And, and at first, he wouldn't tell her why he did that. And, but when she kept pressing him, he told her that it's because he's Christian. It's because that's how he wants to serve her. And I think both of these stories, what stands out is that you know, both of these guys were sacrificing their own interests to you know, benefit other people. And that reminds us of the church community that we just saw, uh, that the community that uh, try to meet the needs of others in their midst. But ultimately, these stories remind us of Jesus, who sacrificed his own life um, to give us true life. Because without him, we would be dead spiritually. So what I'm trying to say here is, even as we try to engage with the world and be missional church, the prescription, the, the, the right medicine for that is the same as how we make our community uh, horizontal, which is, again, word and prayer. Only if the word speaks to you and changes your heart first, not by trying hard, but through the supernatural means of the spirit, changing our hearts to Make us want to become like Jesus. Want to even give up your six-figure job to serve others. And that's how the church becomes missional. That's how we fulfill the mission that God has given the church. And I think this passage is fitting for our church. I know there are newcomers here today, but you know, it's a challenge for our church as we you know, go into welcome week. And, you know, may we have this attitude of wanting to, um, you know, serve newcomers and be welcoming and, and love these souls. Again, not by, you know, beating ourselves up or just trying hard with our own means. But no, can we come to Jesus and have him, even now as he speaks through this word, can we come to him and seek his strength that may we want to, may we get to fulfill his mission during the welcome week. And also beyond welcome week, uh, I'm reminded of through this passage that some of the things that I've been hearing from many of you, thank for your feedback because they help. And one feedback that I really cherish is the fact that our church, you know, haven't been talking much about, you know, current issues. That it almost seems like we're not really engaging with the world. And to that, I will say, that's true. I think we have, to do, we have to do better. We have to grow in that area. We have to get better at it. And as we you know, dream about engaging with the Twin Cities and our, our you know, people in our surrounding you know, communities, again, it should start from our hearts. And as we 
dream God's dreams as, as God breaks our hearts for the nations and you know, people and different tongues and tribes in, in the cities. May, may we get to enter into God's mission together as a church. And it all starts from our hearts and what God does in our hearts. Let's pray together. Spend some time responding to the word. And if you notice right now, we're with our imperfect attempt, we are emulating the early church. Just as they heard apostles teaching and and they prayed in response. Right now, we just heard from uh, Luke, uh, who wrote this uh, book of Acts. And Luke was a close companion to Apostle Paul. And we're hearing these words that he wrote down for us to hear. And now we are responding in prayer. So can we pray right now that these words of God that have just been spoken to our hearts to bear fruit. Of course, we do what we can to grow as Christians, to grow as a church. And those are important. But ultimately, God is the one that bears fruit for us. And maybe some of us that may feel terrible because you lose control. But guess what? You're free now from all the anxieties because you don't have to control these things. All you have to do is come to Jesus and have Him change you through the word and prayer. And the promise is that he will do it. That's what distinguishes Christianity from all the other religions in the world. Our message is D-O-N-E. It's done, not do. So can we enjoy this time as we respond and just pray to God that he would continue working in your hearts even as uh, we seek him in prayer. And after some, some time, we'll close in the song and other prayer. But um, let's use this time to respond and talk back to God and have this communing time with God. And God is here with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that when all is said and done, uh, all is well. When the world is in turmoil because of many things that are broken in this world, still all is well. Even when things go well and we feel like we gain the whole world, but those are nothing compared to what we have in you, Jesus. So all is well. May our identity, may our identity be fully found in Jesus. 
so we can experience the freedom of growing like a child, being led by a loving parent. And may that be true for our church too. Our church starts from imperfect pastor, uh, imperfect members, broken uh, men and women. All our hope is in you. If we ever grow in any way, it's all because of your amazing grace. And we long that, long for that God. So we rest in you. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we can hear your word and be able to respond in prayer and do that over and over. Never gets old. And may we get to grow in your grace, God, together.